My parents told me stories about Industry Mall back when it was in its prime. The mall was new and young and exciting. It became a new weekend activity in the small city of Arcata, California. It was actually enjoyable. Instead of golfing or hiking or driving to the beach, people would head in droves to industry. My mom recounted the feel of a vibrant community, especially near the beginning. The excitement seemed to bring out everyone's best nature. People who otherwise would have silently passed each other on the street greeted one another with enthusiasm. They excitedly talked about the innovation of the mall and how it was the start of a new era. They discussed their favorite shops, offering each other tips on where to find the best deals or insisting that you should really try Uncle Sam's all-American hot dogs because they weren't like ordinary hot dogs. Certainly, part of the appeal was the convenience of the mall. You need only drive to one location and find everything you could ever hope to need or want. But it was also much more than that. Industry Mall stood for something greater than itself, as reflected in the name. The people of Arcata identified their lives and futures with the mall. They spiritually invested their hopes and dreams into the concrete walls and the polished food court floors. This made the decline of Industry Mall all the more tragic in my opinion. Of course, no one consciously recognized this tragedy. If they had, industry would never have declined in the first place. But along came a new kind of mall, a mall that you could fit inside your pocket. Anything could be shipped to your door in a day or two, and you need not even leave the comfort of your own couch. It was even more convenient than the early days of industry, but it lacked the joyous community. And in the coming years, the people of Arcata began shopping at the mall on their phones while once again passing each other in silence on the streets. I remember going to industry when I was younger. For my parents, it was nothing compared to those first years it had opened. But still, it was far more alive than when I was in high school. So even I was able to witness a fraction of the mall's decline. My friends and I would often hang out at industry just as my parents had done when they attended the same high school in Arcata. Of course, we hung out at the mall for very different reasons. For us, it was a glimpse into the past, and in a way, it was an act of patriotism for our town. We hung out in the dying walls because no one else did. We tried to remember what our little city had forgotten. Not to mention, Uncle Sam's All-American Hot Dogs was one of the few shops to remain open. And my friends and I would happily chow down on the questionable but delicious meat many days after school. We were wandering the quiet mall, eating those hot dogs on the day before we had decided to break in. It had been a plan of ours for a long time to sneak into the mall after hours. We had teased the idea since we were freshmen. It was Kenny who had first suggested it but we didn't take the idea seriously at first. We had been too afraid of getting caught and of what our parents would do if we showed up to our homes accompanied by flashing red and blue and police officers at our sides. By now, it is our senior year. The terrifying approach of our college years 
spurred us all to finally do this thing we had been talking about for so long. It felt like a proper send-off to our high school days, and none of us was prepared to say goodbye to one another. I bit into my hot dog as we passed the old, abandoned arcade. Kenny sighed. Man, I wish I could have been here when this was open. Born in the wrong generation, I guess. Emily snorted. Oh yeah, a sticky, smelly arcade. The peak of humanity. What more could you ask for? Kenny stuck out his tongue at her, dropping a bit of hot dog onto his shirt. We all laughed. The arcade had not even been open when we were children. And ever since I could remember, the games had been shrouded in a steady darkness behind the cross-patterned metal gates that locked all onlookers out. Half of the stores in the mall were permanently closed off by such gates. All the other stores had at least cleared out their products and were now empty spaces. But the arcade still had all the game machines and toys. I guess no one wanted to buy them from the mall and transporting them, even to a junkyard, wasn't worth it. So, I said, are we all clear on the plan? Yeah, Katie said, tossing the remaining bit of her hot dog into the trash. But it's not going to work. It'll work, Kenny said, somewhat annoyed. But even if it doesn't, no big deal. We're not going to get in trouble for it. So we're holding the door open with tape? Emily asked. No, Kenny said. We're just using the tape to stop the door from latching and locking. Then we can just push it open. Jose, help me out here. I sighed. Look, I began. Kenny and I already tested it. We found a door in the back where customers aren't supposed to go in. It has a simple push button lock. We put a piece of tape over the bolt and pressed the lock. It felt like the door was locked. The handle was stiff and we couldn't move it. But if we pushed against the door, it swung open. And the security guards aren't going to check that? Emily asked. There's only the one security guard, Kenny said. You mean that creepy guy with the eye? Katie asked. Mr. Santiago, I said. And we are hoping he'll push the lock button and leave it at that. As long as this isn't the door he leaves from the night, he probably won't notice that it can swing open. He's going to notice, Katie said. Well, Miss Party Pooper, Kenny said. Even if he does notice, he'll just pull the tape off and lock the door. He won't know it was us. Who is actually going to tape the door? Emily asked. We're going to have Roy do it. He gets home tomorrow. He'll come to the mall alone during the day and tape the back door. Then we'll all meet up that night. Emily squealed with excitement. I forgot Roy is coming this weekend. I can't wait to see him. Same, I said. Roy was one of our best friends. He was a year above us and we hadn't seen him since he left for college in San Diego. We were rounding a corner by the shoe store when I felt an unsettling presence. I turned to see Mr. Santiago following behind us. We all stopped as he approached. He was an old man with wrinkled, leathery skin. He had the most severe lazy eye we had ever seen. His right eye looked absently at the floor like a broken baby doll's eye. There was a large mole sprouting hair on his cheek. It's getting late, kids, he said. Mall is closing soon. We're on our way out, sir, Kenny said. Good, he said. And remember, I don't want any of you around here after closing. 
not even hanging out in the parking lot. You won't like having to deal with me if I catch you. His tone was gruff and menacing. He definitely wasn't a man I would want to run into at night. We hurried out of the mall. He is so creepy, Emily said. Yeah, I agreed. I felt bad for judging an old man on his looks, but I couldn't help shaking the suspicion that he was hiding something sinister. His warnings sounded more like a threat. All right, Katie said. See you all tomorrow night. It'll be a night to remember, Kenny said, pumping his fist in the air. Then we all got into our cars and drove to our separate homes. That night I slept surprisingly well, and I dreamt of a mall filled with smiling people. The next day, Saturday, was uneventful. I spent most of the day with my family, watching TV and playing games in the yard. When it was close to the time we had all agreed to meet up, I told my parents that I was going to hang out with Roy since he was visiting. Oh, good, my mother said. I'm so glad you two can see each other again. You tell him I said hi. I nodded and left for my car. To avoid possible suspicion, we agreed not to meet in industry's parking lot. Instead, we all parked outside a bank on a hill that overlooked Industry Mall. Katie, Emily, and Kenny were all there when I arrived. We all greeted each other. Soon after, a fifth car pulled into the lot. Roy stepped out of the vehicle, and Katie and Emily nearly tackled him to the ground as they hugged. Whoa, whoa, Roy said, laughing. It's good to see you guys, too. I hugged Roy and said, It's good to see you, man. You too, Jose. Dude, have you gotten taller? I guess it's been a while. Yeah. It has. How's college treating you? Dude, it's amazing. It feels so good to finally escape from this shitty town. I gotta say, I'm not very excited to be back. We all were silent. Roy quickly added, Other than to see you guys, of course. Kenny was on the edge of the hill, looking down at industry. All right, he began. Mr. Lazy Eye just finished locking up and left his vehicle. We're good to go. We all made our way down the hill to the back door, eager to see if Roy's tape had worked. This was one of the dumber things I've been asked to do, Roy said. Well, let's see if you were smart enough to pull it off, Kenny replied. Kenny grabbed the handle and pulled. The door swung open. He rubbed the piece of tape covering the bolt and smiled. We entered the dark mall, each of us turning on the flashlights on our phones. I was already struck with an eerie presence, as if someone was watching us. I turned my light to the side and an abrupt scream hurled itself from my throat. All my friends turned with panic at the sound. There was a figure in the darkness, multiple figures. They were behind the gate of one of the stores. Roy burst out laughing. <laughs> a little jumpy there, huh, bud? The figures I had seen were display mannequins. They stood motionless. Everyone started to laugh. It was the type of laughter that came from uneasiness. We continued onward, huddled closer together, until we reached the fountain in the center of the mall. It was brighter here as the ceiling was made of glass and moonlight filled the open space. Okay, so what now? Roy asked. Come on, Kenny said. Let's just look around. Isn't it exciting to see it in a different way? Dude. 
It's just the same stupid mall that you guys always wanted to hang out at. Except now it's dark, and I can't even buy any food, Roy said. Kenny was opening his mouth to argue when an odd sound came from behind a dark gate. The sound was comical. A goofy, cartoonish voice said, Hiya, kids! It came from the arcade. Suddenly, colorful lights rose through the darkness. The old whack-a-mole machine had powered on. It was the pre-recorded script of the cartoon mole we had heard. Nothing was actually speaking to us. No way, Kenny said, and stepped forward. The metal gate, which had closed off the arcade ever since any of us had existed, retracted to the side. What the hell? Roy muttered. I entered the arcade with Kenny. As we stepped forward, more and more of the gaming machines powered on, their retro lights and sounds filling the long dead arcade. This is amazing! Kenny shouted. He ran to the skee-ball machine and rolled a ball down the alley. He sunk it in the 50-point slot and the machine whirred with excitement. Jose, come race with me! He grabbed me by the hand and pulled me to a racing game. Two seats, each with a steering wheel in front of it. I couldn't help but smile. The game started instantly, and we began racing and laughing. Um, you guys? Katie's voice of concern came from across the room. We turned from our game to look at Katie. There were other people in the room with us. Parents with children rushing toward the various games. Teenage boys swinging hammers at the strength-o-meter to impress the girls they were with. The arcade was alive, overflowing with movement and laughter. Except these people weren't quite people. They were transparent. You could look straight through them. They were ghosts or spirits or hallucinations. No, not hallucinations. We were all seeing the same thing and they weren't like any ghosts I ever heard of. They weren't pale white and they weren't depressingly forlorn. They wore vibrant 70s style clothing and they were all happy and excited. Kenny and I regrouped with the girls and Roy. I thought Katie and Emily would be terrified, but the mysterious joy of it all seemed to transfix them. We all appeared to accept what was happening with enthusiasm, except for Roy. Are you seeing this? He asked. Guys, we need to leave, like now. The apparitions near us stopped what they were doing and turned icy glares toward Roy. He went pale and backed away. They continued to stare with menace. I grabbed Roy and brought him back to the water fountain, which was now on, though the water appeared to have the same ghostly quality as the people. The main room of the mall was also filled with people. Industry Mall looked exactly as I pictured it would have when it first came to Arcata. It was like my parents' stories had come to life. People moved from store to store and laughed with and smiled at strangers. The abandoned storefronts were now filled with ghostly items. Roy, I said, just look around. This is incredible. Can't you just enjoy it? Jose, this is fucking crazy. How are you okay with this? Roy said and pulled his arm away from me. Dude, can't you feel it? Kenny said, stepping out of the arcade. It's like the mall is alive and it feels happy, I said, finishing his thought. Kenny nodded and smiled. If you guys want to stay in this Twilight Zone bullshit, go ahead, but I'm leaving, Roy said, and he began heading for the exit. 
As he rushed past the joyous spirits, their faces frowned and their vibrant colors dimmed. They followed Roy with their unsettling gazes. He glanced around, pulled his hood up, and then rounded a corner. Should we go after him? Katie asked. No, Kenny said. If he doesn't want to be here, let him go. He never even liked hanging out here with us normally anyway. He doesn't even want to be in Arcata at all. I exchanged a sad look with the girls, but we knew what Kenny said was true. Do you think this happens every night? I asked, diverting attention back to the spectacle unfolding around us. I hope so, Kenny said. It's so beautiful, Emily said, wide-eyed. I want to come back here every night. Our happy trance was broken by a horrible shriek that echoed through Industry Mall. I noticed that the people of the mall were staring at us, but not with hatred as they had with Roy. They were smiling. Then they all spoke in unison. With everything you hope for, you'll never want to leave. That was the tagline in the original advertisement for Industry Mall. My parents had shown me the old newspaper clipping. That collective voice, the voice of the mall, was chilling. Roy! I shouted and sprinted off in the direction of the scream. The others followed behind me. As we ran through industry, the figures watched us and kept repeating the line. With everything you could hope for, you'll never want to leave. I rounded the corner. That's where I saw the thing that still haunts me every night. A group of display mannequins were hunched over a gruesome scene. They were moving, alive. They were reaching into a pile of gore, pulling out limbs and entrails and rubbing the bloody bits all over their white bodies. One of them was walking toward me. It was one of the mannequins that had no head, with arms that ended at the elbows. It was wearing something, something red, something dripping. It was skin. It was Roy's skin. Roy's upper body plastered to its upper body. And there was his face. Since the mannequin didn't have a head, the skin of Roy's face drooped behind it like the hood of a sweatshirt. And the skin of his arms dangled off the abrupt end at the mannequin's elbows. As the creature moved toward me with arms outstretched, it reminded me of a child wearing a shirt that was too big. All the bloody mannequins turned toward us and began to approach. I was petrified. My jaw was open and I just stared. The Roy skin mannequin was about to touch me when thunder rang through the hallway. The mannequin exploded in a puff of dust and plaster. Hurry! A familiar voice shouted. This way! It was Mr. Santiago, the security guard. I never thought his misshapen face and lazy eye would be a welcome sight. We ran back the way we came. Mr. Santiago had to sling Katie over his shoulder and carry her. She was shrieking and crying from the sight of Roy's remains and unable to move. The spirits were all paler now, and they watched us sadly. You'll never want to leave, they said. Mr. Santiago fired more shots at the pursuing mannequins, chipping away parts of their bodies. He led us into a supply room and locked the door behind him. Help your friend, he said, and placed Katie on the floor. Emily cradled her while also sobbing. I told you kids not to come here, not even to the parking lot. That's what I said, but you didn't listen. Mr. Santiago said with the tone of an angry father. Well, you didn't tell us the mall would try to murder us. Kenny retorted. Mr. Santiago's good eye locked onto Kenny. Would you have believed me? Kenny didn't say anything. 
So the mall is haunted then? I asked. Mr. Santiago sighed. Haunted? Well, maybe. But not by the ghosts of the dead, nor by the spirits of some Indian burial ground. If anything, Industry Mall is haunted by its own past. It's as if the mall is alive, and it's desperate to return to its glory days. It revives itself many nights, or rather, it relives its old memories. What do we do now? Emily said through her sobs. You trapped us in here. No, Mr. Santiago said. This is the only way out. I've worked here ever since the mall opened, and I've been trapped here at night before. The mall didn't always do this. I'm not sure where it started, but it must have been a few years after it was clear it would never recover. Like you, I was amazed when I first saw it. Maybe more so because I was actually there when industry was in its prime. The first time, I never even thought about leaving. The sun came up and the mall went to sleep. The second time it happened, I tried to leave. And that's when industry attacked. The mannequins came after me. Every exit was impossible to open. Every window impossible to break. I had given up hope in this very room when I found the old maintenance tunnel. I think that because it existed before industry was built, the mall has no power over it. There was a pounding at the door. Splinters of wood flew through the room as a white arm burst through the door and began clutching at the handle. Go! Mr. Santiago shouted. Through the hatch on the floor! Climb out through the first manhole you find! I'll hold them off! Kenny pulled the girls to their feet as Mr. Santiago unloaded his handgun at the mannequins pouring through the now open door. I hurried my friends through the hatch on the floor and as I was about to pull it shut, I locked eyes with our hero. Thank you, Mr. Santiago, I said. I think he was momentarily stunned, surprised that I knew his name. He smiled and nodded. Take care of your friends. He turned back to the attacking white figures and pulled out his metal baton. Then he charged at them like a knight of old. I pulled the hatch shut. We encountered no problems in the tunnel. It was as dead and dreary as Industry Mall during the day. We emerged from a manhole that ended up being on the hill near our cars. Mr. Santiago never followed us. We four friends sat on the hill and cradled each other as the first marks of dawn stretched over Arcata. That was 10 years ago. And here I sit now on that very same hill. Sometime between now and then, industry truly died. The mall closed and everything, even the old arcade was finally removed. I stared at the concrete corpse. I couldn't help but wonder if, on some strange nights, the slumbering past still comes clawing through the floors of Industry Mall to play out a moment in time that could never truly be returned to.